Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Man on the Post Weekend Review Show. My name is Dave and I'm in caretaker charge this week. And joining me, and it's no coincidence, we have Villafan Simon. Hi, how's it going? Very good, thank you mate. And we also have Everton fan, Adam. How are you sir? At least, I'm good, at least Simon's supposed to be here. I'm, my, my being here is so transparent. <laughs> well... Uh, call, call, call it what you want. Strike, strike while the iron's hot. Opportunistic. <laughs> Making the most of a great situation. Um, we've got a lot to get through because we had all ten games crammed into the weekend because we've got a wonderful three-game international break this week, which meant we couldn't have any Monday night football. But instead, we've got Monday night podcast with transfer deadline day ticking down in the background. So we'll, um, by the time we finish this, we'll probably have a good idea of what's going to happen. So. Um, we'll rattle on through the games, starting with the uh, first game on Saturday was Chelsea and Crystal Palace, where Chelsea ran out 4-0 winners. It took forever to get started. It was a terrible first half. Do either of you have any any great thoughts on this, um, as you, pretty much as you expected? Um, yeah, really. Uh, the, the first half was, uh, as you say, pretty dire, non-eventful. And then um, I, I thought... It's a weird one because Chelsea didn't really play that well, yet have somehow come away with a four 0 win. So, you know, it's pretty pretty strange game, really. Yeah, they didn't have to do a great deal. Um, a couple of soft penalties will do that. Well, yes, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that this is what Chelsea will do a lot this season. I, I don't think they're very good, but I think they will batter some bad teams. Yeah, and with, with teams like Palace, you know that once you get one, there's every chance you might get you know two or three or four if they have to go chasing the game because their game is literally that low block and the counter attack. And you know once that gets broken down, it's uh, it's not an awful lot of point to them. So interesting. Um, were either you surprised that they didn't give Werner the second penalty given he hasn't scored a league goal yet, and the longer that goes on, the more of a thing it's going to become. Um, I, I was surprised, yeah. Well, it seems uh, Werner would have had to be at the back of the queue, right? Because Tammy Abraham was the one kicking off, trying to take the ball out yeah. of Jorginho. Um, I, I always, I always yeah, think that, I always think that the, the penalty taker should be the one taking a penalty, um, unless someone's on a hat trick or something like that. I, I, I also think normally I. I I think there's a degree, not in this. There's a degree of being slightly disrespectful if you start letting anyone take a penalty. Like, like we all remember the Claude Makélélé incident. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, I don't know. I think I, I do tend to agree with you. I think if if you're already three 0 up and it's that late in the game, I, I don't know. I can I can see both sides of it. Yeah, you should have your penalty taker should be taking it, but. I kind of I wouldn't have thought it'd have been a major problem had they given it to Werner, but then of course he's got to go and then stick it away, hasn't he? If, if he misses it, then then it becomes an even bigger issue. Yeah, and do, do, does it achieve an awful lot? Because does that stat just then get changed to hasn't scored a goal from open play? Mm, well, maybe, but you know what? You're, yeah, not against not against old Frank yeah. Lampard, though. They'd be nice to him, but I mean Bruno Fernandes would be <laughs> pretty close to being on a duck if that's the case. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think um, Adam I think you make, you make a good point about Chelsea in that they will batter a few teams this season because I think you know for all of uh, Lampard's flaws and Lord knows on this podcast we, we, we've gone through them quite a lot over the last few weeks but that team has so much attacking talent that the majority of the league won't be able to cope with it but it's obviously when they play against the, the top teams in the league that, that that's when their defence gets gets sort of found out, really. And West Brom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't want you to accidentally refer to them as the one, one of the top teams in the league, mate. I don't know that would upset you. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair, fair point. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think we can really draw too many conclusions from this. Really, um, Chelsea, as you say, have got so much, so much attack and talent in there. Chilwell. First league start, goal and assist, I think. Um, just a better Marcus Lonzo, isn't he? I think you might be bad. That. He found a, a <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, uh, he. They certainly found not not quite the right way to to celebrate that game, though, didn't they? Some of those Chelsea players. Yeah. So the old. Uh, the, uh... Surprise, <laughs> surprise party in Tammy Abraham's own house. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I don't know what to say about that. Well, Gareth Southgate must just tear his hair out of this because we've got. He, he, I think he's done a pretty, pretty, pretty good job of restoring the like sort of reputation of the England national team over the last couple of years. I know he's not everyone's favourite manager in the world, but generally he's he's got the team. Somewhere decent, the player a reasonable standard of football, um, and now it seems like the last couple of international breaks we've had players who just can't can't handle help themselves. Yeah, just as you say, uh, you know, the, you just thought with um, you know the last break of what happened with Greenwood and uh, Foden. Yeah, he he must tear his hair out. Was exactly it. He must be thinking, Jesus Christ, lads, give me a break. <laughs> you know, out the frying pan into the fire. Yeah, and for years, all we've said is that you know, let's give the younger players a chance and you know, get the the likes of your Gareth Barrys and things out of the way. Um, but here they are. Just... Gareth, Gareth yeah. I was about to, I was about to say Gareth Barry never did this, but didn't he steal a? He did steal, a, he taxi. steal a taxi. Honestly, I said the words and I immediately <laughs> thought he stole a taxi. But I'd committed to it. Um, we can we can decide what's worse between between breaking pandemic rules and stealing a taxi on another podcast. But let's let's move on to someone who uh, is having the time of his life, and that's you, Adam. Um, hey. Three o'clock on Saturday, Everton 
ran out four to winners over Brighton. Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I'd like to say I'm just slightly below Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He's having the time of his life. Well, uh, uh, quite under him in the sense that he jumped out ten foot in the air for the first goal. That was a great header. Um, Yerry Mina, who is ten foot tall, made it two nil. Um, Gerard had helped himself to two. Uh, in between um, Neil Mopé getting one back through a Jordan Pickford I wouldn't say a rare error but usual error and uh, then Yves, Yves Basuma scoring a ridiculously good goal to round the game off um, Everton have won every game they've played this season Cup, League was it six, seven games now? It's um, Seven? Yeah, it's ridiculous in many ways but at the same time look at, looking at your team You've obviously spent a fortune, more or less. Um, are they the real deal? Like, what, 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 what are you expecting from Everton for the rest of the so, season? I, I thought that this Brighton game was a slight trap game where we had, like you said, we were we have got into it six games unbeaten. Um, for me, for all of the talk about how good Hermes Rodriguez has been, Allen has been the the player that has really changed things and he was out injured um reportedly was out for a long time but is now expected to be back after the international break which is good news um i think in the past this is the kind of game that Everton would have lost in that sort of position missing their best midfield player um on a run because that's why that that's what for years now what we've not been able to do is put together consecutive um, consistent results um and we tried our best because when you like you said when you concede a goal where your goalkeeper drops it um the striker then scores by kicking the ball through the legs of one central defender simultaneously nutmegging another one <laughs> do you start to think that maybe it might not be your day <laughs> but just minutes later he was dancing the macarena so yeah he was <laughs> <laughs> um but in answer to that I yeah I I think this might be the real deal. I think I think this is a good team. There's not a lot of weaknesses in there. I know we obviously ragged on Pickford a bit in recent times, but if he can find any of his old form, he is he is a very good goalkeeper. Um, he's just I think he's going through a bad spell. It's obviously quite a long bad yeah. spell, but he obviously we've seen how good he can be. Mm-hmm. Um, are you hopeful of even breaking that top four, or would you be happy if you set up like a top six? Or what do you think? Um, wow! Well, as the games go on, <laughs> as the games go on, Dave, I'm imagining sort of like at the, at the moment, if we don't break the all-time Premier League points record, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> Hundred and fourteen points is the target. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To show those invincibles, what it's really about. <laughs> Um, yeah, imagine imagine in two weeks' time if we went six points clear of Liverpool. Oh my god! <laughs> it already makes me nervous. But uh, um, really, like if we, we should be finishing in the top four if we're playing like this. And the way already the weaknesses of the teams that should be competing for that. Um, the bookmakers have us third favourites to win the title already. Well, like, uh, four, sorry, <laughs> maybe four favourites, four favourites behind, just by, marginally behind Chelsea. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm not saying that's there, but if that if you're going by 
where they think we should be in the title race, then we should be in the top four. Well, the thing is as well, you've got a moment, you've got a manager who's, who's been there and done it. Um, it's not like it's Marco Silva in there who was you know, a manager who had all the potential in the world and obviously hasn't really worked out for him. But in Ancelotti, you've got <laughs> a manager who has won Premier Leagues and Serie A's and Champions League, whatever else he's won. Yeah, yeah. It's got to help. I was trying to put the... With a friend the other day, me and a friend were trying to put together the, the chronology of um, Everton managers and we genuinely forgot about Marco Silva. So... <laughs> couldn't work out what happened between Southgate and... For, um, not Southgate, uh, but what happened between... Um, uh, who would it have been between, between Big Dunk and um, uh, Allardyce? Couldn't work... Just a, de- just a, a desert... A desert of nothing. Um, I also think that you say there isn't isn't many weaknesses, but I think that the the marginal concerns we we have maybe strengthened a little bit. We just signed Ben Godfrey today, and Mason Holgate is coming back because I I would have been worried there, and I am a little bit concerned about what we have behind um, Luca Dinia and Seamus Coleman at, you know, at fullback now, but. Um, let's just hope they play all the games. Yeah, I mean, no one ever gets injured, so you'll be all right. Yeah. You got John. Joe, you got John Joe Kenny. He went on. He played on loan in the Bundesliga. He must be good. Don't, don't look at Schalke's results during that time, but still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, they're struggling without him because they just fired. Um, they just fired. Who was the ex? David How does Wagner, um, Wagner, whatever you call him. Yeah. Wagner's just been fired, so they're clearly missing John Joe. Mm, yeah, well, um, what do we make of Brighton? Because we're kind of in danger here of saying, oh, Brighton have played well again, but they've lost again. Um, other than battering a very poor Newcastle team, um, are they actually any good, or are we kind of just lost in the fact they play nice football? So last season, Brighton are that team that's, that I do, that I do exactly that to, Dave. That I have a habit of going, Brighton are good. They just yeah, Brighton are good, Brighton are good, and then about sort of ten games from the end of the season, I lose all faith in them, and that's when they go on a run and pick up enough points to keep themselves up. Um, I think Brighton are good. <laughs> With that said, I think they've got, I think they have very good players um, that are better than a lot of players in that team who are better than Brighton. If that makes sense. Yes. Well, I mean, as we said, Basuma's goal was. was very well taken um, they, they, we obviously like the fact that they buy players to fit their system rather than kind of buying players and trying to fit them in the system which is mm, quite unusual really for a club like Brighton who <laughs> you get a lot of kind of mid-table clubs who buy the best players they can get and then try and shoehorn them into a, into a team but Brighton have got this philosophy which makes them a bit different but um, they're in danger of becoming that team who as I say just everyone kind of enjoys what they're doing and forgets about the results so it's quite interesting to see how how that pans out. Um, any other hot takes on this, Simon? Before we move on. Um, no, I mean I, I was going to bring up that point about Brighton myself. I was kind of with me and my mates talking about them over the weekends and saying, you know, they they played really well against Chelsea, didn't get anything. Played really well against United, didn't get anything. And yeah, as you say, you. You kind of you don't want to get into that rut 
very early on in the season of, of playing well every week, but actually coming away with, with zero points. I, I do think, you know, like Adam just said then, I do actually think they are quite decent and I do think they'll be fine, but they'll probably want to start trying to pick up a few more points fairly sharpish, I think, just so you don't get caught down in, you know, in that sort of dogfight early doors. Indeed, and I think, as you say, they've played Chelsea, Man United, Everton. It's potentially three of the tops, well, five or yeah. six. The way it's shaping up, so um, you know maybe there's better fixtures to come for them after the international break. Uh, it's got to be, it's got to be better than than playing badly and not picking up any points. Well, well, yes, that's true. Yeah, definitely. We'll come on to Fulham soon, though, Adam. Don't worry about that. <laughs> 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 All right, so the everyone's favourite game of the weekend was going to be Leeds v Man City. Now, that may have changed over <laughs> the past 24 hours, but on paper this looked like the like like, like the game of the weekend as um, Bielsa took on Guardiola at Elland Road. Um, Raheem Sterling opened the scoring with the goal he scores every week. He cuts inside on his right foot, passing the bottom corner. Uh, but Leeds came storming back and got got a deserved equaliser through Rodrigo's first <coughs> goal for the club. Um, Adam, fair result? Um, probably more than fair result. I, I think that both teams had opportunities to to win it. But if, if anyone, I would have thought that Leeds were maybe the slightly more hard-done-by club here. I think they had better opportunities. And it, I think that it took um, a, it took a bit of a... Edison certainly had to had to make some saves to keep keep his team in it. Mm, it, was, uh, it was a nice game to watch as a neutral, like um, obviously end to end. Simon, I don't know about you, but do you feel like Man City just aren't quite clicking yet? I, I, I watched De Bruyne a lot in this match, and he seemed to be quite visibly annoyed with his teammates on a number of occasions, which <coughs> not really, yeah, really um, like the Man City way, is it? Yeah, it's the kind of it's a bit of a weird one, really. I, the first sort of fifteen twenty minutes, I, I you know I, I kind of thought, oh, yeah, Man, Man City look you know right on it, and, and then yeah, as you say, Leeds really came storming back into it. City just seems to be a bit of a weird one at the moment. I, I think it helps that for that that they're missing both their strikers. I mean, you know, Sterling's obviously a great player, but he's not a natural you know striker, and uh, Mares is naturally down the middle, so I, I think that that hinders them, but. They just, they doesn't, yeah. There seems to be something that's just not quite right at the moment. I mean, I'm, I think um, towards the back in the last season, there was sort of a bit of talk: is Guardiola actually going to stay on? Uh, you know, this beyond, you know, into this season. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if part of him thinking, Do you know what? I wish I'd just gone in the summer now because it just something just doesn't seem to be clicking there. I can't quite put my finger on what it is because they've got the players, you know, they've got a hell of a talented squad, but it just seems not quite right. Have have they got the players? Well, um, they... I only say that because I'm just yeah. looking at the lineup, the lineups now, um, and. I appreciate what we've we, we've just said that there's no Aguero, there's no there's no Gabriel Jesus, but that front three isn't striking any fear in me. And when you think about the times when they would have, sure they had Bernardo Silva on the bench, but 
yeah. when they ha- think about you only have to think back a season or two when they the players they could bring off the bench you, they would have had three or four players of the calibre of, of Bernardo Silva they'd have had Leroy Sané they like these players have left now and sure yeah maybe sure Torres could become a, could become a real player for them and there is a huge caveat that Sterling's having to play through the middle I personally don't think Mahrez is good enough. He I should be. I, he I know surely... a, lot, a lot of people don't tend, tend not to agree with me on that point, but I, I, I've never... I think that he's a player that, sh- that Sean was made to look better than his talent actually is, personally. But I, I, I get in terms of uh, he's not as good as, you know, the say like a Leroy Sane when he was you know at City but you'd think uh, yeah I get I'm just looking at it from three now just to remind myself of it yeah it's not what they've had in the last few years but and as good as Leeds have started you should you know that with De Bruyne, Foden, Mares, Sterling, Bernardo Silva coming off the bench that should be capable of of beating a team that's just come up no matter how good they have started uh, yeah, that's true. But I just think you can you can understand why. Um, yeah. I can understand as Dave was saying about the sort of agitation of De Bruyne because I can imagine that the the fluidity of the movement in front of him wasn't of the level that he's usually expecting. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree with that. I mean, it seemed like it took eighty minutes for Pep to realise that you need to get De Bruyne further forward. He was far too deep for the most part. Um, but as well, I think we're starting to see just how much they're missing David Silva in terms of someone who can knit it all together. Because uh, at the minute, Phil Foden's kind of doing that role and he's got an awful mm-hmm. lot of potential, but I don't really think that role suits him particularly. He's, he's, he's looked better for me playing as part of that front three from the right. Um, I was about to say, do we know what role does suit him? Not well, in a, I don't mean that in a detrimental way. I mean that yeah. in a, a complimentary way, but he seems to have played all of those positions, right? Yeah, I when um, the the only time I've seen him live was uh, the Carling Cup final last year, and uh, he played on the right of the front three and was absolutely phenomenal. So I think I don't know if he's quite got that rapid pace that you might necessarily want in a player in that position, but in terms of technical ability, cutting into that left foot, you know, he he causes all sorts of problems that day. So, but yeah, he's still young though, isn't he? I think that might be something. When you say that about the rapid pace, when now when you look at that team, and uh, you'll have to forgive me as someone who hasn't seen an awful lot of of Torres play before this game, which was the third game I'd watched in a bar. So we have to add that caveat in. As well. <laughs> um, but Man, but Man City don't have that pace anymore. You know, no, Mar- they don't. Mares isn't quick. Bernardo Silva isn't quick. Foden isn't quick. Is Sterling's probably the the fastest, yeah, uh, well, the fastest of their of any of their of any of their front players because Aguero and and Jesus aren't exactly rapid. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, I think they're right. You know, as, as I said earlier, there's, there's something just not quite clicking there, and you know, for the for the amount of money that Pepper spent over the last few years it should be clicking because, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not like they haven't spent anything. And it's not, not just their forward play defensively. They still, you know, I know Leeds, the way they play, they're very, you know, they, they go forwards uh, 
you know, with big numbers and at great pace. But they was they shouldn't a, a team that are looking to win the league shouldn't be letting a newly promoted team get at them as much as as they were being get at. I thought. I I I leave a bit of an exemption to a newly promoted team though, just because of. Like you said, because of the way they play, they they always yeah. they swarm oppositions right, and they're going to do that to Man City the same way they're going to do it to Fulham. Like, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. In terms of the ability, yeah, you, I, I get the point that you could say they're an exemption, but at the same time, it is still a team that's been out the Premier League for sixteen years against Man City, who have who've spent so much money in the last few years and have won, you know, so much. They well, I, I don't know. It's great, great result from Leeds. Great performance from Leeds, and they've had a fantastic start. But I'd be slightly concerned if I was a City fan. So oh, in terms of a league title, there's not. There's, there's been very few signs that they're going to, you know, get that title back this season. Um, although the way it's going, who, yeah. who, who, who knows? There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot to sort out. I think. Um, yeah. The last game of Saturday was the poor opposite of that, as Newcastle took on Burnley. Did um, easily put yourselves through this, or um, should I just? I was all footballed out at this point. Yeah, snap. <laughs> I, uh, I've seen the highlights. Well, my, my weekend was about to get a whole lot better. Um, <laughs> I mean, we we didn't have to play particularly well. We um, we obviously won three one thanks to St Maximin and two for Callum Wilson and Ashley Westwood for them. Um, Burnley were awful for the first half. They got a flea in the rear at half-time from Daesh. They, they rallied, they got the equaliser, and that just seemed to spur us back on again. And say St Max put up on a play for Wilson, and Nick Pope made Jordan Pickford look competent by uh, <laughs> show, showing why Pickford is the number one, and because he, <laughs> he can use his feet, basically. Which, uh, <laughs> Nick Pope absolutely cannot. Um, and then, Do you, do you see him protesting us, giving the penalty away, despite nearly killing Ryan Fraser in the process of trying to save him. <laughs> I, I thought it was an odd protest. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> what did he expect? I know, it was the most blatant foul of the weekend, really. But um, Yeah, from my point of view, we, we didn't have to do particularly well. We won 3-1. Um, I'd actually rather talk about Burnley doing the most blatant foul of the weekend. We can come back to it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there may be others actually. Now you mentioned, <laughs> um, uh, I'd actually rather ask you both about Burnley because I, I know I'm very aware, very aware of our shortcomings. But um, Burnley, are they? Um, is this the year? Yes, Burnley. Burnley are in trouble. Um, a point that I I made in oh, either last week or this week's extra time podcast was, um, but you could you could just. It doesn't seem like a happy camp, whether that be in the team, or in the squad, or throughout the club. Um, and as a manager who sat uh, in a cold St Mary's watching his team 3-0 down to Southampton and his manager refused to make any substitutions, I can tell you that that's never a good sign <laughs> that, um, <coughs> that, ev- that everyone's good and happy in that situation and that manager is not going to see out the season. Yeah, I was kind of expecting to be a little bit busy, busy today, one way or another. But um, I haven't seen a single thing from from Burnley today. I don't know about either of you two, but 
No, I haven't seen anything. Have they, apart from Dale Stevens, have they actually done anything else this window? I can't think of them doing much. I don't think so. I really do want to think, though, that Sean Dyche was just like, look, all I want is Dale Stevens. Can you get me Dale Stevens? Uh, well, yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess so. What he, needs, what he needs to do is he, he should learn that if you don't want, if you want, if you want something to happen, what you don't do is not make any substitutions. What you do is you put two goalkeepers on your bench. That's the thinking yeah. man's way to do it, like. Yeah. <laughs> the thinking man or Harry Redknapp, because I'm not sure they're the same thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think one lost a bet and the other one was uh, just by choice. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've said, I said last week, I, yeah. I, I really enjoy Burnley got relegated. So I've got nothing against, you know, the city or the... Actually, I do have quite a bit against the city, couldn't think of it, but yeah. Um, I just don't like them. I, 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 don't, in like, I don't like watching them. Um, no. And I won't miss them if they get relegated. Yeah. I, I like Sean Dyche, though. And I do think he's a good manager. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. But are you going to start giving us all this Allardyce if he had better players? No, I could, no, I could no. play nice football bollocks. No, 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 no. But I, I, I just think that with a very limited bunch of players and a limited amount of money to spend, to have kept, to have got them where he has got them over the last few years, I think it's impressive. But you, you had them saying that um, you think this is the year they'll go? We were saying, uh, I think last week, Dave, weren't we? Or was it the week before about Burnley? Mm. And like when I was saying at the start of every season, I write them off. I think this is the year they're going to go, and somehow they managed to do it. And so I, I kind of I'm looking at them at the moment, thinking they haven't signed anyone again. They haven't started well. I would worry for them, but it wouldn't surprise me to see them somehow finish. 12th or 13th <laughs> coming into the season. Well, there's always a chance of that, isn't there? But I mean, Dice is basically just a gravelly Tony Pulis. Like that's that's essentially where he is. Because as you say, he's he's at the point now where he's been there long enough, done well, and he's now starting to come out the other side. Where if he stays there much longer, he's going to start undoing all that good work and lose a lot of the good good. Uh, well, I wouldn't say reputation, but I think he's probably earned the right to go and try and manage someone better. Um, and he's going to lose that chance if you know if Burnley go down. He'll become a lot less of a of a prospect for someone else. I, yeah. I don't think I don't think he could ever go and manage anyone better. I think that his best hope would be to become a another sort of Allardyce Pulis sort of uh, firefighter. Fire I'll keep you in the league. I'll turn you into a slightly reputable Premier League club. Yeah sort of deal I'm, I could see him managing Crystal Palace after Roy Hodgson dies yeah. <laughs> well you're going to, you're going to scrape, scrape out that dugout one way or another aren't you so. yeah that's a good shout actually I think that's the, that would be the perfect move from really because yeah just defend can you do that Sean yes right well that's that one <laughs> And at, at, at Palace, they'd already be able to do quite a lot of that. So yeah. he he turned out finding finding his back four tied together. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> That's very true. Um, well, we'll see how that happens, and um, hopefully Roy survives in every sense for a few more years. But <laughs> yeah. on to Sunday, then, and um, we'll start with. Uh, oh, I tell you what, do, do you watch Southampton v West Brom? No. No. <laughs> Well, Southampton so won 2-0. You should never win Romeo scored, so you know it was a great game. Um, I have nothing... Did you see Romeo's goal? Yes. 
That was, I, I think that's the only thing to talk about that game is how's he scored that? Aye, who, who knew he could do that? <laughs> but lest, lest we forget, he is ex-Chelsea. I've always rated Romeo from when he was playing at Chelsea. <laughs> well. but that might that might be because he was an ex-Barcelona youth academy, and they just they had a certain pass, um, certain appeal at the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, he obviously took all that training on board for this one game. <laughs> And scored a yeah. wonderful goal. Next week, when, when, he'll, be, he'll be back to kicking the shit out of anything that moves. But for now, it's just a great goal. Yeah, and West Brom, we said it, oh, I said it last week, I think they're, they're in trouble this year. I, I mean, they've got a few good forward players, but their, their defence is just so bad. I, I can't see them staying up. No, I agree. I don't think 37-year-old Branislav Ivanovic is going to help that. <laughs> just a hunch. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> well, the way this season's going, you may as well not bother playing any defenders. You may as well just go all out attack and just, you know, <laughs> ac- accept you're going to concede four regardless of how many players you've got back there and yeah. just, try, just try and score some. <laughs> try, try and score five. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no disrespect to either team, but again, um, it, it was on the same time as another match, which we'll come on to in a second. And I'd, I mean, yes, I've seen the highlights, but I didn't watch any of this game live. So I'm sure it was great. And Southampton aren't going to be in any trouble. Um, and Danny Ings didn't score, which is the biggest surprise of all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't have him on my fantasy team, so every time they do did score, I was checking, hopefully, going, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't have him either, because he, uh, well, let, let's not get into this, but, you know, well done, Danny Ings, he didn't score. <laughs> um, so at the same time as this match was probably the bigger the bigger talking point, which was uh, Leicester losing 3-0 at home to West Ham, uh, Antonio 4 nils and... Jared Jim Bowen with the goals. Um, what? How did this happen? Do you, do, you think, do you think working from home might be the future for David Myers? <laughs> I think you better get used to it, but either way. Because <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting results. <laughs> only because a matter of time before someone says, you know, we're paying him an awful lot and you actually bet when you're not here. Like, <laughs> I, I, I think someone's going to be slipping the uh, coronavirus testers a bung to say just, just say Moyes is tested positive again <laughs> we, we don't want him in the ground anymore you've had it for an unpre- unprecedented 38 weeks David but <laughs> <laughs> what what who who on earth would have seen that coming after what Leicester did last week to Man City like I mean this league as we'll come on to later on how crazy it seems to be going at the moment but not that that is the one resource that I would definitely not have picked out from the well one of the few resources <laughs> I would definitely not have picked picked out this weekend West Ham going and winning 3-0 there that fair play to them considering their their opening uh, game against Newcastle when you know Newcastle played well but you know, West Ham was shocking to have turned that around I thought they were quite decent against Arsenal and were lucky not to get a result yeah. against them and then battered Wolves last week and so they've gone and done it to Leicester as well you, you've got to you've got to give credit where it's true there <laughs> a good choice of image um, <laughs> yeah I mean I was very surprised that Leicester played well I think it was meant to be five at the back but I mean there's never really a reason to play Daniel Amati unless you're desperate and surely Leicester would have been better served not going with five at the back here with, with Mendy in front as well um, whatever they did it didn't work because 
Antonio, it doesn't matter how many defense he plays against, he just causes them all problems. Um, do you, I've not really spoken about this, Adam, but what do you think about Antonio as, as a forward? Um, is he, is he, you know, as good as his goal return would suggest? I'm still not sure I understand what I think about Antonio as a footballer. Never no. mind as a forward, because <laughs> he just seems to play all over the place, right? And every once in a while, he causes absolute havoc. But I, I, I think he's a very streak. He tends to be a very streaky player. Um, who I think would frustrate me and would you'd, for most clubs wouldn't be the answer at centre forward but West Ham have a very special relationship with centre forwards so <laughs> maybe this is the way to go <clears throat> it's bizarre it's in, sorry go on it's, it's, I, I'm sure I saw something yesterday that isn't he the top goal scorer in the Premier League since the restarts I would think so he must be pretty close he got four, sure he got four in one game at one point I mean <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, even yes. behind, even ahead of um, Son. I'm, I'm sure it was on. Some of these things. I think it was on match of the day too. Yesterday they they had um, yeah got since the restart, and I think Antonio and I think Son and maybe one or two others have got ten goals since the restart. So he's the joint top scorer. But um, yeah, so that's yeah, Oh yeah, get up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, straight. Uh, did you see? I, I thought um, it's a four 0 to got the second goal. That touch, lovely touch, wasn't it? What, what a touch that was! Picking that out the sky, fair play. Oh, very, very good indeed. He's um, starting to show signs that he's um, you know adapting to the league and things because he obviously did very well in the under twenty one Euros. Uh, what feels like forever ago, but was probably about eighteen months ago now. Um, and uh, kind of took a little bit of time to get up to the pace of the league, but now he looks he looks the part. Um, looks like they're finally going to get rid of Philippe Anderson rather than just having this forty million <laughs> millstone sitting on their bench. Um, yeah. What do we think of West Ham? Very good though. Yeah, but it's you know Moyes. So. <laughs> Sorry, I've just seen that Delafeo has just joined Udinese on loan, and that upsets me because. You could have come back. You could have come back, Gerard. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Watford, Udinese are just happy to swap players between each other that for, is true. for no real, no real reason. It's just like you could help us yeah. get promoted, or you could help us finish mid-table in Serie A. Yeah. Which do you prefer? <laughs> like, I just miss him so much, Dave. Well, he was, well, he was the most streaky player in the world. Where he would either be like unplayable, or you just wouldn't see him at all. Will he get in your team now, Adam? In my team or in our team? <laughs> He'd always get in my team. <laughs> but no, he wouldn't get in our team now. Would he get in today that Alex will be on the bench? Yes, and that would make me happy. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's understandable. Um, <laughs> how are we finished for Leicester West Ham before we move on? Yeah. 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 Great. Uh, under the um, well, it was probably the two o'clock or something. Who knows? The, the clocks are relevant on a Sunday. You just put the they were. You just put the telly on. Just make football come on my telly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Wolves Wolves beat Fulham one nil. Um, Neto Scandinavian for value scored the goal. Um, did um, did you watch this or were you watching Arsenal Sheffield United? 
I was sort of flicking between the two, so I didn't, I didn't really properly watch yeah, either it was, of them. It was, it was, there were two d- difficult first-half watchers, no matter which channel did, you Yeah, played. I was going to say, <laughs> I, te- in theory, I watched Arsenal Sheffield United, but there was also, <laughs> this also was designated nap time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, um, n- neither game were particularly great. Uh yeah, I, I don't I don't have anything to say about this. Hopefully, one of you two have something to say about <coughs> Wolves. Maybe like they they seem to have a big turnover of players for no real reason. Like they're doing quite well. What we're going to do is sell all our wing backs and replace them with other wing backs and discuss. <laughs> well, I think well, we I think we mentioned talked about it a little bit last week about Wolves that they seem to be going through a bit of a transitional period in terms of the turnover of players and it just hasn't. This hasn't quite clicked for them yet. I, I, I think, I think they'll still have a, a decent season because there are some very good players in that team. But like I, I said last week, I, I think Jota's going to be a huge miss for them. Um, I, I think he's a really good player, and I, I think he really does weaken weaken their uh, attacking force. To be honest, yeah, he's obviously very very good. Um, see how he gets on at Liverpool because that's. Obviously a big move for him. Uh, it's probably going to change the way Wolves play quite a bit. With um, Pedence and uh, the boy Neto playing either side of Jimenez. But that's more traditional kind of, you know, winger a winger approach. Um, yeah. It's hard really to see how it's going to work out for them. Because as I said, there was, wasn't really this desperation for them to change. But here they are. Yeah, I mean, you think... You'd have expected them with with some of the players, you know, especially Jimenez. You'd have thought he'd have been, uh, you know, looking to rack a few goals in against that Fulham defence because they were fucking awful against us. <laughs> so um, I, I suppose from Fulham's point of view, they'll be happy that it was just one nil. And I don't know, is that the the biggest positive they can take from the weekend? Well, that's it. It's, pro- it's pro- probably a step in the right direction from getting beat three, three and four. Um, Adam, anything to add? Well, I, I just I spend my time on the extra time podcast fighting the um, the anti wolves agenda because I think they're overrated. Um, not that they're bad, I just think that everyone treats them like they had this great their great first season and you can't take that away from them. And then everyone said, oh, they're challenged for the Champions League next year, and they didn't. But people treat them like they did, and then this year they're like, oh, again. And I just think they're a mid-table team. And I, I think that, given the context of what we said about Fulham, they probably should be marginally disappointed with uh, with how this goes. But it'll be interesting to see how how quickly some of these players can adjust because um, Nuno made a point about uh, Semedo and about how how there's a about playing the the wolves away, I suppose it is. <laughs> no, what what is that? Uh, well, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Yeah, well, I, I I think I I I get your point about them sort of being a mid-table-ish team, but with maybe one or two players above that standards, like your Jimenez and Neves, that maybe drag them into that sort of seventh, sixth area last season. I don't know how much longer 
dull keep holds of, of Jimenez, certainly. I, I think this will be the last season I'll have him. It's bit, if, he, if he gets anywhere near the sort of goal return he got last season, surely a, a team playing European football will come and snap him up. In the most naive sentence ever ever uttered on a, on a football podcast, didn't he just sign a new contract? He did. but <laughs> Really? He did. But I'll probably just, as you say, increase the fee. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, uh, just, yeah. Uh, I, Neves is the player for me in that team, um, and why he's still there, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I was, I was, I was about to ask you, like, is Ruben Neves actually as good as we all think he is? Because he, or is he just very quietly not like a not like a goals and assists kind of man? He just, you know, keeps that midfield moving. Well, I I I think I said last week. I I don't think the last six seven months he has been as good as he was. Their first year in the Premiership, but he's still a fantastic footballer, a great range of passing, and yeah, I'm with Adam there. I'm I'm gobsmacked that he's still at Wolves. The the one resentment I, issue I do have with him is I'm convinced when I watched him play Man City um, earlier in the season that he deliberately waited for a ball that felt him to come outside the box before he hit it because he didn't want to ruin his, his record. <laughs> There was, there was about half a yard in it, but I'm convinced. It's possible. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Maybe it's just a psychological thing. Um, yeah. Let's let's leave Wolves and Fulham behind and move on to a game that sounds better, but probably wasn't, as uh, <laughs> Arsenal beat Sheffield United 2-1 with goals from Saka and Pepe before David McGoldrick scored quite a good goal, actually, um, on his left foot, curling in the bottom corner. Um, Arsenal are... Arsenal, everything Arsene Wenger would hate in that they're um, quite quite solid, not very entertaining, but find ways to win games without playing that well. Fair assessment? Yeah, I think, yeah, they, they kind of... It's a weird one, because I think last season, uh, you know, obviously they beat Liverpool, they beat Man City... And then they beat Chelsea in the FA Cup. So you think, oh, you know, they, they're really, you know, looking really good. But then when you actually sit and watch them, it, it's not actually that entertaining. It's just, it's efficient, which is something that, you know, Arsenal probably need and have lacked over the last few years. So it's, you know, what, what do you want? Do you want entertainment, but you don't actually do anything? Or do you want maybe something not so quite so pleasing on the eye, but it gets results? I mean, they give you entertainment in a different manner, right? So um, I, I, I'm, I'm talking about David Luiz. Thoughts on whether did they get away with one here? Should should I can't decide whether David David Luiz should have been sent off. My instinct is no. VAR didn't even look at it, but um, Sky seemed convinced at half time that he should have had a red card. I think Leno was so far off his goal. I don't think it was a goal-scoring opportunity because he was... I actually don't think he even... Uh, while he got a good fist of... Um, I've forgotten whose shirt it was. Uh, Oli, uh, Oli Burke, yeah. I don't actually think he slows him down because I think as soon as that shirt gets to, like, full stretch, it sl- actually slips out of, um, out of uh, Louise's hands. So I don't think he's actually got any purchase and it's made it much difference. Graham Sooner seemed to think he was going to be there about five seconds earlier, but 
Well, good Graham Souness. I'll I'll come on to him later, but suffice to say, he he talks out of his arms. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> um, so I mean, I don't think it was a, I don't think it was a red. I think they were comparing it to the um, the Villa. Uh, they were, one. yeah. To the, but the, um... the, di- the difference was that one the goalkeeper wasn't where he was for for Sheffield United for Arsenal, sorry, and. Uh, also, the foul started much, much further on in uh, in that Sheffield United game. But according uh, to according to Graham, David Louise was a certain red, and Ollie Watkins actually fouled John Egan. So you know what? What do we know? What do we know? <laughs> I, I have it on good authority that um, Pepe came on and changed the game because at this point I was asleep. He scored. That's uh... it's a good goal. It, to be fair, took it very well. I don't, I don't know what their game plans with Pepe because they obviously signed Willian who plays in his position which seems odd like alright Willian's had his moments in the Premier League but he's what 32 they spend a lot yeah. of money they spend a lot of money on Pepe and I find the Pepe transfer baffling and I have two two best friends who are Arsenal fans who spend a lot of time trying to convince themselves that it wasn't a terrible decision <laughs> and I can see through their lies I can see it <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, because whoever it was, if, well, in that that uh, what was it? They wanted to have some sort of investigation into the what considered overpaying. Yeah, that's that that's needed. <laughs> What's the height of Arsenal's ambitions this season? We may as well ask you two, seeing as Chris isn't here. Um, I, I think I think they can possibly make a, uh, a tilt at a top four spot purely because I think I don't think there's obviously apart from Liverpool and City I don't think there's anyone that you could say is nailed on to get a top four so I, I'm not saying that Arsenal will finish in the top four but I think that they should be probably out, trying to aim for that I think after sacking Gunnosaurus today, the best they can hope for is to try and win back anyone's respect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that is shocking. Poor, um, poor Gunnosaurus. Um, <laughs> I'm still... Conv- Until Arsenal show me otherwise, I'm convinced that at some point Arsenal are going to Arsenal. Yeah. So they're going to have to... like Essentially, until they don't do that and they go 40-odd games without... <laughs> going on some colossal screwed up run around in February I'm still expecting that and I think that they'll probably uh, they'll probably challenge and fail to in the Europa League and they will challenge and fail and end up in the Europa League again next season that's something to look forward to <laughs> All right. Sheffield, um, Sheffield United that I as much as we're saying um that we'd worry about Burnley, I would seriously be worried if I was a Sheffield United fan because I think I've said it now the last two weeks in a row, I don't see where their goals are coming from and teams seem to have worked out how to play against them. Well, I spent an absolute fortune on Ryan Brewster a few days ago. He hasn't totally, un- totally unproven a Premier League level. Um, obviously, there's a lot of potential, but it's a big ask, isn't it? Does Sheffield United have the worst squad in the Premier League? Uh, oh, question. I think West Brom's is probably worse, but Fulham. But Fulham have got Mitrovic, though, haven't they? So they have, they just can't defend. They do at least have a goal score. I, I, I think that's 
it's not a bad shout. I mean, it's mainly populated by players that, well, there's certainly a lot of players that are in League One with them. So, yeah, it's not a bad shout, that. I find the Sheffield United thing slightly baffling because there's people keep talking about them essentially being figured out. And I get that when you hear it, like Jonathan Wilson telling stories about teams playing unorthodox formations in the 80s and the not not and football not being on TV and people not knowing stuff until they'd actually played against it. But we live in a world of advanced scouting and yeah. every game is on TV. If, if Sheffield United have been figured out, why has it taken this long? Well, there's yeah, one thing to know how they play, but there's another thing to stop it. Um, it is a little bit unique in that they end up with essentially nine outfield players attacking and one one back. Um, but I think O'Connell's out of the season, isn't he? I think he's a big part of what they do. Um, and from what I've seen, Jack Robinson's not quite up to that. So um, that might be interesting to see how it how it figures out. All right, shall we? Um, shall we get into the comedy hour? <laughs> so let's go at half four we witnessed Man United 1 Tottenham 6 where Man United had the mother of all false dawns by scoring a penalty after 30 seconds <laughs> through Bruno Fernandes should probably, but, should probably focus on the penalty to be fair <laughs> yeah and then what followed was um and Dombley sure. equalised when Harry Maguire decided to pull back Luke Shaw instead of letting him clear the ball. We'll let that one slide. <laughs> Son scored. Um, I think then uh, Martial got sent off for slapping Eric Lamella and vice versa. Um, and, then, yeah. and then Kane scored and Son scored again and Aurier scored a very nice goal and... Um, Kane got a penalty to make it 6-1. Where to start with this? God knows. Uh, I know. I mean, <laughs> firstly, um, what do you do if you're Man United? I mean, obviously, not necessarily in the next hour because they're just saying Anderson Cavani. But Sag yourself a new left back? Well, they've done that. Yeah. Will that help? Sell. <laughs> uh, well, you could sell the defender who's had a cracking season in Syria. I've done that, yeah, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> and Phil Jones is still there, so that'll help. <laughs> Get up. I forgot he was still there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it, I mean, this was so, so bad um, because, all right, they went down to 10 men and they were already behind and they, it's not like they went and chased the game and lost. They just got battered. <laughs> they just got absolutely battered from tiller to post for... <laughs> So, so I have I have a bit of a I te- I tend to have a slight Manchester United blind spot based on the fact that my father-in-law is a Manchester United fan and I was a kid growing up in the nineties in Hampshire, so it was the kind of a done thing. Um. So, I was. What were you guys saying about Manchester United? Post lockdown before the season, like last season. Uh, well, they, they looked shagged out after about ten games. They they had nothing left. Yeah. Um, but, um, so I'm talking about. I'm, I, I'm, I mean, so during that period when oh, they were winning games. Yeah. Because 
I maybe thought that there was some sort of new dawn, whereas now I'm back to thinking that I have thought every time I've seen them play this season that Manchester United <coughs> look like a team that is terribly coached. Well, I thought someone on that winning, winning run uh, post-lockdown, the first thought was Solskjaer is the luckiest fucker in the world to have found, to have got signed Bruno Fernandes in January because that kept him in his job. I thought, I agree, I actually thought going forwards, I thought they looked really impressive. But I was like, okay, they've, they've done very well to finish third. They need to sign some defenders in this summer, and they just haven't done that. Now, you see, again, I maybe got slightly blinded by the stats there and thought that that was a Manchester United team that everyone was saying, oh, David De Gea is throwing them in at this point. But, and all our defenders are, are useless. But I think they conceded three goals less than Liverpool last season. Yeah, there was definitely, they, they, I just, I, I kind of looked at them and I've never really rated Lindelof. I've, done, I've never thought he was particularly good. And Luke Shaw is another one I, who I've, I've always thought just isn't a particularly good defender. So even though... Luke, sorry, they, just quickly, quickly yeah. Dave, brings me on to one point moment. That was the most obvious foul of <laughs> my God, yes. the weekend. That, that, and that's exactly what I was thinking of as well when you mentioned that. But, uh, How that wasn't a red card, I uh, Pity, I think, Unbelievable. So, um, so, yeah, so I, I get that they defensively, they uh, had a pretty good record post-lockdown. But, you know, you, 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 you still look at the likes of Shaw, uh, Lindelof, even Eric Bailly, who I don't think is pulled up many trees since he's been there and you look at them and thinking if they're going to keep on with that progression they need to they need to get better players if they, if they want to get uh, you know try and close that gap on the city in Liverpool uh, in, in their defence and they just haven't done it and as you say they look now like they're so poorly coached because they've got a manager coaching them who is so far out of his depth I, I almost I actually do feel sorry for him because he shouldn't, he just shouldn't be there, and I don't think he'll last the season. And I think he just needs putting out of his misery, to be honest. Because he's not going. The longer he stays, the more he risks tarnishing his sort of reputation and relationship with the United fans. I think that they have so many players now. Where if you want to, if you depending on what your opinion of the Man United squad is, if you want to play devil's advocate, you can say the other side for so many of them whereas when you talk about when you talk about Liverpool like if, I'll give you an example like if I was going to talk about Juan Basaka and I wanted to say that's an example of Shasha spending money bought a player in he's good but then if I wanted to be critical of him he's a player who gets a nosebleed when he gets around in the top 20 yards of the pitch you, you don't it's, you struggle to have these sort of criticisms of Trent Alexander-Arnold Virgil van Dijk, right? You can't play both sides of the coin when you're talking about those players. Mm. Well, we'll, we might get on to a couple (laughs) of them a bit later. um, No, I I get, I get your point. Yeah. But I I think there's, there's just so much wrong. There's so much work that needs to be done there. And you look at what they've done in terms of signings, this transfer window. And 
you think surely there can't be a plan and if there is some sort of if there has been some sort of transfer plan whoever's been put in charge of that need to pay 45 because surely you know looking at how they start this season you can't tell me that someone's got Edison Cavani he's going to sort us out like it just doesn't it just doesn't make any sense he's been a free agent all summer pretty much and they've chosen deadline day to sign him it's panic boy screams panic boy 100% Um, I I don't want to slag him off because their first game after the national break is against us (laughs) and uh, I am very aware of what will happen so I get get right game (laughs) so we'll just withhold our judgement for that until a few Sundays time but um, I I agree with you too that they, they they're not a Man United team either that we've we've seen through the years where you know they've they've, they've been fearsome and I do get the impression that like Fernandez has been figured out. I know we talk about figuring figure out Sheffield United, but I feel like teams have figured out already that if you just stop Fernandez, you'll have absolutely no trouble whatsoever. I don't, do you think that's them him being figured out, or do you think that's the team has been, the team offers so much so little else that you can you can double Fernandez, you can stick a man on Fernandez and no one else is going to do the hard work in punishing you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's a few different... I just, I just, I'm just, I find it so hard to quite understand, like, sort of how, I don't think my opinion of a team has changed so much in about six games of football. <laughs> but I, I generally thought, going into this season, that if they, if they'd, if they'd addressed the things that, Needed if they'd gone and signed Sancho and they'd signed a, another defender, um, and at the time I probably wasn't even convinced they needed the other defender, that they could have gone on and been closer. Maybe not a full-on challenge, but been closer. And now yeah. I think, now I think you could have, you could have signed Sancho and someone else, and and you still wouldn't be there. Yeah, I mean, Pochettino's got to be feeling better about his life decisions right now. <laughs> yeah, he's just hanging out for that that that, that opportunity. It's, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, you look up like Paul Pogba, who in theory should be one of the best players in the league, and he just he, he couldn't be any further away from that. Like he, uh, he, yeah, he's actually become a bit of a liability now. Not so much that he doesn't offer anything going forward, but he, he obviously gave away a penalty. He gives away the ball. He um, he disrupts the the way the team plays. Um, and Van der Beek kind of isn't getting in the team at the minute. Where's he? Gonna, where's he going to go? That was part, part of the talk as Gary as Gary Neville slowly lost his mind. <laughs> it's just like, and and Hemophil can't even get in the team. That's that that seems a bit of a strange one though, doesn't it? Like it, it does seem very odd that he hasn't had any. You know, was he had about ten minutes, twenty minutes over three games, something like that. It's bit it re- bizarre, very, yeah. very odd. Because you would have but, thought, you thought yesterday at five, one down, four, one down, half time. You'd think, well, you know, give him a half. Let's get his fitness up for a bit. No. What? Why <laughs> do that? Why do that when you can put Fred and McTominay on? Well, exactly. Uh, Fred was probably the be- best player who played for Man United. <laughs> and and does that does that not sum up all their problems? Ah, <laughs> oh, I don't know. But, I mean, on the flip side of of how bad United were. Bloody hell, Tottenham, they, you know, a team can be playing badly against you, but you've got to go out there and take full advantage of it, and bloody hell, did they do that? 
So I, I found it interesting. Well, the two things I found interesting was Jose Mourinho afterwards claimed that they could have scored 12 if they had a more attacking coach. And <laughs> as we were talking about Gary Neville, I think that he was very astute in saying that instead of sort of trying to play his Man United card, he he didn't try and go, oh, the sending off changed the game. Because the sending off didn't change the game. No. Tottenham could have been 5-1 up before the sending off, which is another... Oh. It's like the Premier League finds... The Premier League's trying to find ways to make me far in different ways every weekend. <laughs> it was ridiculous, wasn't it? I don't think how could be red for one and not the other. Like, yeah, yeah, that just seems very, very silly. Yeah, did and they? Like, they the both it, not, even, not even looked at, right? I don't even believe there was like a VAR challenge. The same with, like I said about the David Luiz one. It's just like they decided to do nothing this weekend. No, oh, yeah. very strange. But basically, we're well, no, he's hit him. Ah, but he hit him first. Yeah, but two wrongs don't make a right. So that's that. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, yeah. we'll not challenge that then. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, very, very strange. Yellow cards for each there, I think, would have been. You well, know, yellow card and you're, stop prattling about, lads. You either yellow them both or you red them both. They cannot yeah. have different punishments for for the same crime, essentially. And um, you think, like, Martial getting a red card for that. And as we um, alluded to earlier, Luke Shaw. Not, not <laughs> yeah. <take. laughs> oh. Also, um, there was a nice little... Um, that did encourage a nice little xenophobic moment from Graham Sooners at half-time. <laughs> talking, about, yeah. talking, about, talking about what them Latin players do in our game. Jeez. Sooners and, and Evra over those last two games both let themselves down quite spectacularly, I thought. Well, we could probably rip into Man United all night. Um, Spurs, Spurs were... Ext- and we shall! And we shall. Yeah. Spurs were extremely good, let's be honest. They deserved it. Um, yeah. Uh, one last point I was going to make on this is that obviously Spurs have moaned a lot. They've had to play a lot of games. I think it's actually worked in their favour because they look sharp now. They look like they've got minutes in their legs where a lot of teams don't. While also simultaneously moaning that they yeah, had too big a squad as well. Um, yeah. It pa- felt very much like a paradox to me. Yeah. I think this this early on in the season, I don't think it's a problem having like a, a large number of games in a small space of time. Because as you say, it, it gets you that match sharpness. So yeah, it's seems it, it? yeah, yeah. Oh well, we'll see if they can sustain a challenge after the national break. So the last game of the weekend saw Aston Villa win seven two against Liverpool. Uh, I'm not going to list the scores. Simon, do you want to take this away? Like, what the hell happened here? Uh, uh, well, I'll just say before we get into the match, I'll just, um, on behalf of Aston Villa's groundsman, I'd like to apologise to Graeme Souness for uh, scrubbing the grass ever so long and, and stopping his poor beloved Liverpool zipping the ball about. Didn't stop us from zipping it about and ripping through them time after time. But uh, I just thought I'd get that out of the way. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so my sincerest apologies to the sour, bitter prick. <laughs> so <clears throat> I am still in a state of disbelief, to be honest. I I, I really don't know where to start. I don't know were we amazing, were Liverpool shocking, was it a combination of the two? I think um I I don't I think 
a few of their players probably turned up thinking we'll roll these over fairly comfortably. Um, and I'm assuming that they somehow have never seen Jack Grealish play football because to leave him one-on-one with Trent's Alexander-Arnold, who, as good as he is going forward, is questionable defensively. To let Grealish just run at him one-on-one time and time again uh, seems baffling. Ross Barkley, I've been critical of him in the past. Agent Barkley for you, that is. (laughs) In the past, I've... I've always thought there's a bit of this lot. There's clearly ability there, but I kind of felt that he sometimes flatters to deceive a bit. But I mean, if he, if this is, if that's the Barkley we're going to have all season, then I'm, I'm on the Barkley love train. Sign me up because the, the different dimension that he adds to our midfield, that mid, midfield three now of him, Douglas, Louise and McGinn. There's a perfect balance. They complement each other so well. Louise will just sit and break up play. I mean, last night, Bobby Firmino's game is, you know, coming deep in the pocket between midfields and defence and picking the ball up. Louise just didn't give him a sniff all night. McGinn presses, run covers every blade of grass. It's got good pass on him. But Barkley, he got he broke forwards through the lines time and time again. And it meant that because he was doing that, last season everything went through Jack Greenish for us. And that, everyone and knew. And that's why I said to you that I thought that well, at the time it was announced that I thought that Barkley was the perfect signing for Villa because he can <coughs> he can do whatever job uh, Grealish can't do by the fact that you don't have two of him. Yeah. Right, as in if you want to play Barkley out wide, he can play out wide. I probably wouldn't, but he can do that job. Yeah. He can also be a, uh, like you said, a line-breaking, ball-carrying central midfield player. Yeah. Getting forward, being aggressive, (laughs) making, trying to do something. Uh, Everton times used to get on his back quite a lot, but because he can be... From some people, he could be considered wasteful, but yeah. what he what he is is progressive, and he's always he's always trying to do something to go forward yeah. with the ball. Uh, he's uh, such a powerful runner with the ball as well. I mean, the, I think he was he won the free kick for our fourth goal, I think it was, and I mean, he, he picked it up deep in our half, and he just drove it, drove up them, drew Van Dyke into. To them and bringing him down and getting butts. He, um, but yeah, but yeah, you're right. It, him and Grealish, because as I said, everything went through Grealish last season. And because teams knew that we had nothing else really, so they could put two, they could double up on him. Sometimes they put three men on him. You can't do that now, and that's why you know, yeah, Barkey there, Watkins as well, making the runs in behind. He left Grealish space and. And he caused them. I, I, I thought he was unbelievable last night. But, I mean, everyone was. It, Watkins as well. I'm oh, really glad to see him get off the mark. Perfect hat-trick. And I thought, is, it would, if you take, take his goals aside, I thought he, the rest of his game was excellent. He, he was running behind the channels. He gave Gomez a nightmare. But what he did, which really impressed me, was uh, physically, he actually bullied Van Dyke, which I haven't seen many strikers been able to do. Van Dyke couldn't, couldn't, couldn't cope with him, which, I mean, I, I'm still just, yeah, in a state of disbelief. I've had a season ticket at Villa since 1997, 
and uh, you know I've been a fan since you know I was sort of four or five. So I've seen us win a couple of league cups. I've seen us win a player final. So I've seen us win probably bigger games that had more meaning behind them. But that win and performance last night, in terms of the context of who we were playing against as well, you know, champions, Champions League winners two years ago, that's probably the best like result or round performance that, that I've ever seen from a Villa team. It was unbelievable. Can we go on to how bad Liverpool are now? <laughs> yes, go on, go on. Can, we start, can, we, can we start with the goalkeeper? Well, well <laughs> I mean, it was a perfect start he gave us, wasn't it? <laughs> it's amazing how you take out the, goal, the, the first choice goalkeeper and the, well, I'm assuming that's the, the, the biggest problem they had in terms of the effect on the whole defence and do you know what though apart from that I mean don't get me wrong I don't think Adrian is particularly great and that first goal that was a horrific error but I don't think he was at fault for any of the other goals no I don't think he was at fault for any of the goals obviously that first one was it was a poor one but he couldn't have done anything about the others no but I think it was was a defence I think Alisson may have saved one or two of them um just because he's a good goalkeeper, and that's yeah. and that's not disrespect the way Villa scored the goals. I just think he might have been more of a more of a presence. I mean, if you like, but three of them were huge. You know, got to hold my hands up. Were huge deflections that you know, there's really nothing you can do about them. Yeah, that's true as well. But you mentioned it at the, at the, at the start there. Grealish getting in down that well, Villa's left, Liverpool's right. They just didn't do anything to stop it until it was 7-2 in the bottom Milner to try and protect that. And I just think it was, was kind of like Liverpool just didn't respect what Villa could, could have done to them. Um, in the same way, they didn't really respect what Leeds could have done to them on the opening day of the season. They got away with it. Um, but you were relentless. And I think that's probably what must please you quite a bit, is that you didn't kind of get slack at you know 2 and 3 and yeah. 4. You just kept going. I mean, I did this thing, like, so I was sort of... Uh, Obviously, as you can imagine, the various WhatsApp groups were, were blowing up during the game. I've seen us be 4-1 up with 15 minutes to go in games before and not win. So, <laughs> so at half-time, uh, I was still a bit nervous. I didn't probably relax until the 6th or 7th. But the fact is, we could have quite easily come out for the second half and gone, right, fucking hell, so we've got ourselves 4-1 up here, lads. Let's just try and see this out. But we didn't, and that, that that was such a please, yeah, pleasing, refreshing thing to see. Just relentless. The, it's like there's there's still more goals in in it for us here. Let's keep going at them, and yeah, it's just it's just brilliant. <laughs> Adam, do you want to been to Liverpool at all as the top club in Merseyside? <laughs> <sighs> um, where, where to start? Where to start? Um... It is slightly baffling, like you said, about how you can remove a goalkeeper and it can all just... Or a player, sorry, and it all just fall to absolute pieces. Um, Do you know who I think was more of a miss, though? Mane. Because Mane leads that press from their front. He's the one who triggers everything. And we... When our defenders had the ball... There wasn't that pressure on them. They were able to pick their heads up and play those balls in for Barkley and Watkins to make those runs onto. That's probably next, you're gonna, next, you're going to tell me that Jordan Henderson would have made a difference. Nah, nah, no, not not against uh, John McGinn. Nah. 
Um, yeah, like you said, it's, it's, this isn't a one-off, though, is it? Like you, like you said, Dave, like the way it looked against Leeds, um, I can't ever remember going into a... or having the uh, my next upcoming fixture being a Merseyside derby with... Um, these are these are new feelings that I'm feeling. <laughs> Do you fancy your chances if the game? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's hard not to really. They're scoring a lot of goals. They're conceding more than they normally do. Not just this game, obviously, but I say like Leeds managed to score three as well. So mm. I think it's better for you that it's going to be basically attack versus attack. I think when it gets into well, we'll just try and keep it tight and nick a goal. Like it just doesn't really work out for the the. the chases in those situations but I think if you go toe to toe it's going to be very very interesting yeah mm. and um, what has been evident in watching Everton play this is, is the the consistency and the quality of our passing and playing out from the back so like you said it's going to be strength for strength right we're going to try and play it out from the back they if Liverpool do what Liverpool normally do they're going to try and press us relentlessly one of those is going to have to win out. Mm. Mm. Uh, I just, I was, I was just going to say, um, just, just, I just wanted to say, uh, so one of my uh, friends, he's a Birmingham City fan who listens to this podcast. He, at the start of the season, he tips us to go down. When we signed, Bar- when we signed Barkley, I said, do you want to take your blue nose blinkers off and uh, change your prediction? And he, so he said to me on Thursday, he said, no, you'll be found out for what you are over the next two games. I predict you'll get no more than two points from your next six fixtures. So I'd just like to say to Ben, don't give up the day job to become a pro gambler just yet. <laughs> um, d- going on to the sort of the um, the fixtures more broadly, do do you guys think that they like this is obviously football not quite as we know it in terms of behind closed doors and all. Do, do you think there's a link between these what would essentially be freakish results and the, the and the fact that there are there are no fans there or yeah I do like me and a, I was earlier on tonight chatting to a lad who have a season ticket go down the, the villa with and uh, we're saying after the game last night, the um, you know, Dean Smith and Grealish in their interviews were saying, oh, it's just a shame the fans weren't here tonight. The place would be rocking. It would have if we'd have been there for a 7-2 win. But I do not believe that that result would have happened with a full crowd there. I, I don't know why. I just, I just think it it does make a difference having no crowds there. I, I, yeah. I do think there's an element of playing in front of a crowd can put people players in their shells. Um, I think it's a lot easier to express yourself in front of an empty stadium than it would be in front of a you know a bin home or away crowd. However you want to look at it. So I think there's an element of that. And I was talking to a friend of mine at work today who was saying that maybe it's the lack of preparation. Teams can't defend anymore. Um, you know they're not you know not in the position to to drill themselves to defend the way they have done, um, and therefore just to favour the attacking team and. That's just how it work out. I I was reading a a Johnny um, a Johnny Nick article on Football Three Six Five with his um, uh, his footballing source basically saying that he thinks that the lack of 
that a crowd was almost the pressure of a crowd was almost a positive for defenders because it it kept the sort of the fear of the crowd almost kept you focused and okay. and, and also that that same lack of a crowd has relaxed strikers because they've got less to they've always they've got less to lose right yeah um, no no one getting on your back if you miss a couple yeah. of chances and also suggested that maybe it's easier for these players to let to just sort of roll over once it gets to a certain stage and just be beaten. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a, a real valid point in that. And you know, you think, okay, I know you know, Manu were terrible, but had there been a crowd there at three-one, four-one, would yeah, would that crowd have let let them? Not not that they can stop them from performing badly, but you know what I mean. Like with the yeah. crowd being there, would they have just capitulated like, like that? Would Liverpool have capitulated like that yesterday? I'm not so sure. Well, it's funny because none of this really happened in the games before. Um, well, in the lockdown kind of period, if you know what I mean. Before before the end of the season. No, but I, I don't know about you guys, but that kind of felt like football going through the motions. Yeah, it did a little bit. There was a lot of means to an end. It, it, took, it, it certainly took a, a couple of weeks, didn't it, for, for the games to sort of get going. But at the start of the restart, it, it did definitely had like a real pre-season vibe about it, didn't it? And yes. then I, I felt sort of like two or three games in, like teams like... Uh, Crystal Palace were the prime example. <laughs> Two or three games in, Crystal Palace have picked up everything they needed to, all the points they needed to pick up, and then it was over. Then it literally was sort of just, yeah. let's get these games out of the way. Yeah. Thank, thank God they did, because they uh, our win against them started off on them <laughs> to keep us up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's, let's leave it there for now. Um, do you have any... Um, any other hot takes to finish this week off with, though? Nothing from me. Uh, no, I'm all good. No, I'm guessing Ad- Adam will be back on Thursday with the gang to round up the transfer window and things, or are you having a week off with the being at Nationals? Um, we will be back, then. We will be back in some form or other. Well, that's good. I'll look forward to that. Simon, sorry, cut you off in your prime there, mate. It'll be me trying to convince them that 16, <laughs> 16 to 1 is a great shout for um, Everton to win the league. <laughs> Sorry, sir. Go on. No, I, I was always going to say so I've heard Theo Walcott has, has gone back to Southampton on loan. If anyone's interested. Well, who says who says deadline day is dead? <laughs> is Jermaine Defoe doing anything that'll bring back some memories? I'm sure. I'm sure he is, Adam. He I'm can even sure join. He, he can even join or leave Portsmouth again in some way. <laughs> It's it's not a deadline day without Harry Redknapp calling up his uh, deadline day booty call, Nico Crancer, isn't it? Well, Redknapp's in the stu- in the studio, so I mean they've kind of played the trump card here. <laughs> you know, Harry Redknapp, Redknapp and Jim White together in the studio. I've never been more glad to have the TV on mute. Well, <laughs> being in the being in the studio is a lot easier on old Harry's knees, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right, Adam, where can they find you on Twitter for other... Uh, other... AdamSA101. Brilliant. And uh, Si, where can they find you? Uh, it's at Si O'Regan. Perfect. You can find me on Twitter at CM9798. And you can find 
the podcast as a whole on Twitter and all of the social media at Man on the Post. But gentlemen, thank you both very much for uh, your time this week. Thank you. No worries. Thank you, and uh, I'm sure Chris will be back soon. But until then, always remember to keep your man on the post.